Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. As we get stuck into the scriptures today, we're at the very end of the series, Why Though? Which every time I walk in the room, that freaks me out, but here we are. If it helps us get into scripture, then that's great. Uh, if, if. And so, uh, why though? Why do we do what we do? Why are we doing these things as a church? Why do we gather together on a Sunday, every Sunday? Why do we uh, have communion every week? Why? Why? Why do we do these things? Why do we sing? Why do we all gather together and all face the one direction, have a band up here and all sing together? Why do we meet in people's homes during the week? Uh, why do we do these things? That's what we've been looking at this week, at uh, this um, series. And again, every time we get to the point where we do them because we see in Scripture either a prescription where somebody, Jesus, um, one of the apostles, uh, somewhere in the Old Testament, either way, the Holy Spirit telling us to do this, prescribing, yes, this is what we do, this is what the people of God do, uh, or even Jesus commanding us, this is what you should do. Um, Or we see them as really good and helpful practices in the church. So either way or every way, we see them as coming out of Scripture and as we as a group of people, as a church that wants to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, that wants to be um, submitted to Scripture and, and not just informed by Scripture but conformed to Scripture, uh, we want to see what does Scripture have to say about these things? What does the Bible, what does God actually have to say in His Scriptures, in the Bible, in His Word about these things that we do? We don't want to just look to tradition, we don't just want to look to uh, history, we don't just want to look to uh, ourselves and a our good understanding or a good wisdom or uh, just whatever pragmatically happens to work. Um, there are lots of things in Scripture where Scripture is, is silent on those things. God does say essentially to us, uh, you know, use wisdom, uh, discern and, and not do as you please, but uh, do what's going to be most helpful. But then where Scripture is prescriptive, we want to come under that prescription and, and live up to or live into that prescription. So today we're looking at why do we give? Why do we give? What's the deal with that? Why are Christians throughout history, uh, or at least the last 2,000 years, why are they among the most generous people with their stuff, with their money, with their lives? Why, why do we see such great generosity? And why do we, as a church, why do we preach and proclaim and practice giving? We talk often about generosity, just in general being generous with our lives, living lifestyles of generosity. Uh, we see Jesus himself living the most generous Lifestyle. You read through Philippians, tells us about, Philippians 2 especially, tells us about the generosity of Jesus, what he actually gave up, uh, everything he had right to hold on to. He, for his own sake, for the glory of God and for our great good, uh, he didn't actually hold on to those claims. But he's very generous with us. We talk about generosity a lot, generous with our time, about how to actually fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6 2, in bearing one another's burdens. We actually be, have to be in each other's lives. Uh, we need to be generous with our very, our very selves, our very lives. Uh, again, just like Jesus was very generous with his life. We talk about being generous with our talents um, in terms of service. We actually looked at this earlier on in the series. Why do we serve? Why do Christians use their, their talents and their giftedness and opportunities in service of God and service of, his, of each other? What does that actually look like? Today, we're going to be specifically talking about why do we give money? Why do we do that? What, why is that a feature of Christians? of a Christian community that we would give. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about in the context of giving to the church. 
And this might make some people feel incredibly uncomfortable because, firstly, we don't like talking about money, really. If you don't have money, you don't like talking about money. If you do have money, you don't like talking about money. Nobody seems to like talking, really, about money, especially when it's a pastor or preacher in a church starts to talk about money because it's almost invariably in the context of, we want your money. I want to tell you, that's not the goal of today. In fact, you might, you might um, see in Scripture, from Scripture, that um, well, your preconceived ideas about what this particular sermon might be about might, hopefully, my, my hope is changed by the end uh, of today. When we're talking about giving to the church, what does that mean? What does it look like? What does Scripture have to say about this? We certainly don't want to um, become super legalistic about this, but we absolutely do want to, again, submit ourselves to Scripture and conform ourselves to Christ. So with open minds to what the Holy Spirit would, would have to say to us from Scripture, Let's pray and we'll delve in. And my hope is, again, this will be a very freeing and liberating sermon today as we seek God's will for us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for um, the Bible in our own language, in our own time, that we have such um, access to uh, what you'd have to say for us and to us and about us and about yourself and who we are in you. We thank you. Uh, It is such a privilege to be able to uh, know, not just about you, but to know you and your character, about your goodness, about your qualities, about your person. such a privilege to be able to gather uh, together even and um, to search your scriptures, to meditate on your words, to see how they might um, affect us, sink into our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits. That we would not just know about you, but uh, truly know you and um, become more like you. And that's our hope today. As we open your word, our hope is that we would become more like Jesus. Our hope is that we would uh, gain the mind of Christ. Our hope is that we wouldn't just go about... Um, Life and certainly our interaction with each other as a church um, out of ignorance or just out of our own clever thinking or or worldly wisdom, but out of that wisdom that comes from above. And so we need you today. We need you. You know we need you. Uh, We acknowledge our great need of you. Help us to be attentive to your Holy Spirit tonight. We need your Holy Spirit. Help us to have understanding of uh, your word in Scripture may be good for us as individuals and as your church. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So we don't have a great relationship with money. I I mean, I put it to you. You might be the one. You might be the one who has a really good relationship with money. Uh, In general, people in Australia do not have a great relationship with money, which is why we don't like talking about money specifically. Uh, Some reasons we don't have a good relationship with money, we might, especially when it comes to like giving money, just in general. Um, we might have guilt that we, that we aren't giving. We might have shame that we just don't have enough to give. That we just we, we don't, can't handle our money very well. Uh, we might feel greed when we hear people talking about money because, man, I don't want to give away my money. Uh, if, I, if I give away money, I have less money. Uh, less money to buy like stuff or less security in my money. 
We might have, and sometimes rightly, we might feel suspicion at people who want us to give money to them. Uh, because there are a lot of people in the world who want you to give them your money uh, for their own greedy purposes uh, and really have no, uh, what's a really like not too harsh way of putting it? They don't mind taking your money um, for no good for yourself, but for great good for them. So rightly, sometimes you might have suspicion around that as well. We struggle to give money. We, we don't generally, as Aussies, we like to think of ourselves as generous people, especially generous with our time. Friend is moving house. We will offer to, maybe, maybe this is you, uh, offer to help them move house or offer with our time long before we will offer to help with our money. Again, this might not be you. This is the general theme uh, amongst Aussies. We'll give our effort. We'll give of, of our um, energy. We'll give of our talents. But our stuff, for some reason, uh, comes in a different category for us. For some, this might be an easy thing. For some, this might be a very, very hard thing. But it's not helpful for us as Christians. Uh, it doesn't make it easier for us as Christians that we live in a society that is so money-obsessed that any advertisement that you will ever see, and you'll see potentially thousands uh, a week or even a day, depending on your media consumption, you see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages all tailored specifically to part you with your money to try to create a sense of urgent need for some good or service that you would part with your money and give it to somebody else in exchange for something. And so you you are inundated with requests for your money uh, all the time. When we call it advertising, you might not actually think about it as a request for your cash. That's exactly what it is. And so we have this continual request or demand on my, my capital or on my bank account or on my wallet What does scripture have to say about these things? And in particular, again, today we're looking at the context of giving to the church. I want to to put it to you, there are actually two different kinds of ways that we give to the church. And this will require you and and me, us, maybe to actually reorient how we view the church. We can't accurately see what scripture has to say about giving to the church until we have an accurate picture of who and what the church is. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at these two different ways of giving to the church so that we might live up to Scripture and so that we might become more like Jesus, who, as we'll see through Scripture, is continually giving. He is incredibly, incredibly generous. Two parts of giving to the church. First part, because we are the church, because you and I, we are the church, The first part of giving to the church consists of bearing the material and financial burdens of those among us. So when I talk about Scripture, and we'll see in a minute, Scripture is very explicit and we need to give to the church. What does that first mean? That first means that because we are the church, it means that we need to bear the financial and material burden of those around us inside the church. So let's pull it back a little bit. This building, this building here, when you might have been communicating to somebody today, what are you doing tonight? You might have said, I'm going to church. And maybe, uh, like I know this happens to me quite often, if I'm organizing a meeting uh, with someone, they'll say, well, let's meet at two o'clock outside the church. 
And we just slip into this vernacular of calling a building a church where there is zero places in Scripture that calls a building a church. You know what that is, of course, because the building isn't a church. This building is not a church. There there are walls here. Uh, There's a ceiling, thankfully. It's a very high ceiling. Uh, This is a building, absolutely, where a church meets. Actually, where three churches meet. This is, this is not a church. This is the church. Just quickly look around. It's going to be awkward for about 10 seconds, 8 seconds. Just look around the room. This is the church. This is not surprising for many of us because we know this stuff. If you've been around any church for any length of time, uh, any good church, uh, you will know that the church is the community of Christ. It is the body of Christ. It's the family of Christ. We are the church. There was this old song I used to sing when I was a little kid. I'm the church, you're the church, we are the church together. I won't sing it for you now, but that's, that's how the church goes. No, that's how the song goes. And it's how the church goes. That we are the church. As soon as we start to lose the perspective that we are the church, we get a wrong perspective of what it means to give to the church. You are the church, I am the church. Galatians 6.10, just a little bit further on from that Galatians 6.2 passage we talked about before, which says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what Paul says. And then he goes on to say, so then let us, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Then James, James 2, very famous passage, he says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This is a very famous passage. Faith without works is dead. It's in the context of giving to the church. Giving to the church. The church is not some institution. The church is not some organization. The church is not some legal entity. The church has a legal entity. City Light Adelaide Incorporated. City Light Church Adelaide Incorporated is a legal entity so that we can do legal things like have insurance and stuff like that. That's not the church. We don't give to that. Nobody gives to that. You don't give to me. As a, as a worker in the church, you're not like giving to me. We are giving to the church when we give to the church. That means that we together get together. And this is why it's so important that we continue to gather together. Because if we're not doing life with each other, if we're not being generous with our lives, how are we going to know what those material burdens are, what those financial burdens are, that we would fill them and fulfill the law of Christ? That they that they would meet we would meet those needs and show and prove that our faith is not dead. How are we going to do that? We need to be the church. We're going to operate as a church because we are the church. As soon as we start treating the church as a building that we come and meet at the church, we have lost the perspective of what the church is and even the mission of the church. When we think of the church as some like legal entity or organization or institution, we have lost the idea of what it means to be the church, of who the church is. The church is not a what, the church is a who. It's an us. We're the church. 
So firstly, uh, because we are the church, giving to the church consists of bearing the material and financial burdens of those among us. And secondly, Scripture prescribes us or tells us uh, we set aside financial resources to support those involved in vocational gospel ministry. So how do we give to the church? Firstly, we give to the church by meeting the needs within the church. So when there is a distinct lack, this is another reason that it's so important to be in community, is because sometimes, especially, again, especially in Australia, uh, we love to project this image of who we want people to think that we are, and we want to project an image of, of strength and of lack of need. We don't want to project our lack. We want to project a lack of need, which is antithetical to the gospel, actually. Uh, it's the opposite of the gospel, is a lack of need. The gospel shows us our need. Embodying the gospel uh, means that we show and live in light of our need. And when we live in light of our need, then we're actually allowing our brothers and our sisters to meet that need and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's not just about being generous and, and giving and stepping into that gap. It's about revealing the gap as well, that someone can come in and meet that need. It's the first one. Secondly, we set aside financial resources to support those involved in vocational gospel ministry. This is what we do. And this is probably what we more think about when we talk about giving to the church. It's probably what you think about when you either put our money in, in a box or you go online and give. You're thinking, I am giving to the mission and the work of the church so that we can uh, hire buildings and employ people and, and do that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, what that has kind of transformed into over time is this idea that we come to church and that we give to the church and we actually outsource all of the ministry that Ephesians 4 tells us is the work of the saints, us, and we outsource it or delegate it to paid vocational gospel ministers that they would go and do the work of the ministry and we would come to church and receive religious goods and services from those paid vocational ministers. Again, it's the inverse of what we see in Scripture. Scripture tells us that it's those gospel ministers who are there to, as gifts to the church to equip the saints, that's us, that's you guys, that's me, for the work of the ministry. We've flipped this on its head where we come to church now and give to church so that we might receive religious goods and services from paid professional vocational ministers. It's the opposite. So what do I mean here when I say the second way is to give for the work of those vocational gospel ministers. What does this mean? What does scripture tell us about this? You might say, are you talking about tithing? It's kind of, kind of talking about tithing. And you might think, man, I am sure I heard one time that the New Testament does away with tithing. What do you say about that, Don? And about that I say, kind of, kind of. And let, let, me, let me share one thought on that <clears throat> before we get into the real meat of it. Um, there's, one, there's one account of Jesus actually having a go at the Pharisees, which he does all the time. Man, Jesus has amazing way with words. I, man, I love reading the words of Jesus. Um, anyway, he's having a go at these Pharisees. And uh, this is what he says to them. This is recorded in Luke 11. He says, Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees. If, G if God the Son is saying, Woe to you, uh, you are in big trouble. Okay. Woe to you, Pharisees. For you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. And you might say, there it is. He does away with the tithe and he says all about justice and all about loving God. 
Except that he goes on to say, as Jesus says, he says, these you ought to have done. You ought to have tithed. You ought to have given to the church without neglecting the others. In another place he says, he says pretty much the exact same thing, and he says, uh, you should do these things without neglecting the weightier measures of the law. He says you measure out your spice rack, you pull off your herbs just to make sure that you're fulfilling all of the laws down to the letter, so you're like pouring out one-tenth of your you know, spices and you're giving them to the church, but you're forgetting about love, you're forgetting about justice. And he says, man, these things are, are weighty and even more weighty and maybe even more important to God, but don't neglect these ones either. You should do these and don't neglect these ones. So I'll put it to you that actually Jesus does not do away with the tithe, uh, but in fact... <clears throat> He gives us a new paradigm, and, and that's continued on throughout the New Testament, this new paradigm of ministry and of mission for ourselves as people that we are completely purchased people. We don't have personal possessions anymore. Now, I am not, uh, this is not like a, uh, I don't know, an appeal for communism. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying all our stuff is now all of our stuff. I'm saying all of our stuff is actually God's stuff that we steward. We, we steward. And we rightly spend some of our resources on like food and accommodation, rightly. And we rightly spend some of our resources on um, recreation and rest. We rightly spend some of our resources that we're stewarding on God's behalf, uh, on being generous with each other, and we rightly steward those same resources that we have on behalf of, of God uh, in giving to the church, both in meeting the financial and material needs of those around us and supporting those um, vocational gospel workers. Someone said to me um, after, so we preached this one at Glenelg last week, they said, yeah, this, that's exactly right. Like God has given us 100% of our money and we only have, and we only have to give him 10%. We get to keep the 90%. I was like, that's not what I said. I said, no, uh, it's actually all, all of it is God's because all of us is God's. And if we withhold any of us from God, like forget about money for a second, we withhold like 10% of us from God, it's not the 10% of us that is not saved. It's if we're not under God's, under Jesus' lordship, then we're not under his salvation. Because he has purchased us, because it's, it's no longer us that live, but Christ that lives in us, because we've been bought with a price, and that price is the precious blood of the Son of God, because we don't belong to ourselves anymore. If we don't belong to ourselves, then our money certainly doesn't belong to us either. This is not, again, this is not any kind of um, you need, now you need to be giving like 50% of your worldly wealth to the church. It's not that at all. That's not what I'm saying. I just want to, like we're reorienting our opinion about what the church is around what Scripture has to say. I want to reorient your perspective of your stuff around what scripture says. You shouldn't feel guilty unless it's a personal conviction to you about spending money on things for yourself. I think God has given us uh, our resources that we would rightly spend some of our time in recreation and rightly spend some of our money in recreation. But when recreation becomes our goal rather than a a grateful enjoyment in the Lord... Uh, that's when it starts to slip into that idle territory. Anyway, we're getting off track. Let's come back. <clears throat> Second reason we give to the church is to support uh, those gospel, vocational gospel workers among us. Jesus assumed the believers would give to the temple in his time, and the New Testament church 
uh, believed and even taught giving to the church. This is what Paul has to say uh, in one part. Well, I mean, Jesus talks about it, Matthew 10, Luke 10. Uh, Paul talks about it here in um, 1 Timothy 5. talks about not muzzling an ox when it treads out the grain and the labor deserves his wages. They're caught in the Old Testament, applying to the New Testament. And then a big chunk in 1 Corinthians 6. This is going to be our key text for today. So that was all introduction. Now we're going to get into our text. Uh, this is what it says. <clears throat> this is Paul writing. He says, Do we not have the right to eat and drink? In fact, he starts off and says, This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, that's Peter? Do we have the right to do this, he says? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? He doesn't mean that he's not working. Uh, he means that he, his question, doesn't he have a right uh, to not actually have some outside work, but to be able to devote his time to the gospel. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating of any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? So he is giving his defense of why he would be able to get, get paid by the church. So when he's talking about giving to the church, uh, often you see Paul talking about taking up a collection. Actually, he says, on the first day of every week on a Sunday, bring together some money and set it aside uh, so that, not for the vocational ministers in that regard, but he says, so that when I come, you don't have to give some lump sum, but that you're regularly practicing generosity and giving so that I might take that to the poor in Jerusalem. Whereas here, he's saying, and what about the gospel workers? Who plants a vineyard without any, eating any of its fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? This is what he's saying. He's saying, Man, soldiers don't rock up for the love of soldiering. Vineyard workers, I don't know if you have ever worked in a vineyard. I'm sure it's great fun for, for like a morning. But to do that, to earn a living, he's saying nobody does that just for fun. Or who tends a flock without getting some of its milk? <clears throat> Verse 8, do I say these things on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. It is, for, is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because a plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? So this is again what he's saying. He's saying, uh, essentially he's calling himself an ox. He's saying back in the law, back in the Old Testament, God said, don't muzzle the ox, let it eat as it plows, let it eat as it threshes, as it pulls the cart. He says, don't we have this, is God concerned about the oxen? No, he wrote that for us, is what he's saying. He wrote that for those of us who are going around planting churches, those of us who have been set aside so that we don't work like jobs in the marketplace so that we can specifically be in the church equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, not being the ones delegated to uh, on behalf of the saints to do the work of the saints. His job, Barnabas' job, is to go and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. <clears throat> Nevertheless, he goes on to say, we've not made use of this right. We endure anything rather than put 
an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ? Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So this is what he's saying. And, and I, it might seem self-serving for me to be up here saying this to you, uh, but I, I did this for free for a long time. Uh, in the first, even just at City Light, the first three years of planning in Glenelg, I did work a full-time job outside of uh, the gospel ministry. Uh, and then for the next year, it was like half and half, three days at church, three days uh, in, in the job, because the church just wasn't capable of financially supporting any gospel workers, uh, let alone a a gospel worker. Now, by the grace of God, we are at that uh, point where because of the obedient generosity of those who call City Light home, we have some, I, I think, actually amazing gospel workers who have been able to be set aside out of the marketplace specifically for the job of training us in our disciple-making, in our evangelism, in our worship, in our gathering, uh, in our leadership development, and in in many other kinds of ways. It's one of those really important things. Uh, Usually, uh, I met with a not-for-profit during the week uh, who wanted some help with some stuff, and they were saying, basically, the gold standard in not-for-profit world is to have, out of all of the giving that comes in, have the wages as low as possible, and have the money, uh, as much money as possible going to the, um, the front lines of whatever mission uh, is happening there. And I was thinking about this in the context of this passage and these passages thinking, actually in the church, we can't adopt that mindset from the not-for-profit world. That's, that's not our goal. Our goal is that we would meet the needs of those in our service, uh, in our congregation, in our family, uh, in our community. And our goal is that we would be able to set aside people from the resources in the community, giving to the community, giving to the body of Christ, not giving to some organization, not giving to some institution, not giving to some you know, um, incorporation. That's not the mechanism that's going on here. Uh, anything that we have in this realm of, of organization or whatever is only there to serve us, the church. So when we give, we give to the church so that we, the church, can set aside gospel workers that are a gift to the church to equip the church for the work of the ministry. Do you understand that dynamic? Maybe different from uh, what you're used to or what you have thought in the past. My hope is it's exactly what you already believe and know. That's my hope. Uh, this is your thing. Yeah, get, is there anything new here? That's my hope. Is that you're very bored by this sermon tonight and it's nothing new. I don't think that's the case, actually. Actually, in most cases. We do need to um, support those gospel workers. And man, we, again, we have great people supporting us in ministry. And by God's grace, we will employ more people that we can set aside to make us better disciple makers, to make us better studiers and meditators of scripture, make us better evangelists, make us, make us better teachers. That's our hope. And Paul says it is right for those we've set apart and said, uh, stop working so that you can dedicate your life and your time to equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. He said it's right that we would give to the church to actually, so those people can rightly 
steward money well in um, putting a roof over their head and feeding their family and feeding themselves so they can then be generous as well with what God's given them so they can have time for recreation and, and all those things that we use our own or steward our own money with and for. It's right. So we have these two ways to give. Two ways to give. How are you doing in, the, in that realm? Do you belong to Steel Line? Are you a consumer of religious goods and services or are you a member of the family? Do you come here expecting some affect, some like viable feeling or, to, or just to receive and to get? Or do you come uh, as someone who would give of yourself, give of your time, give of your heart, give of your lives and, and where you see the need and go looking for the need you would meet financial and material needs in the church as well. Are you so belonging to the uh, work of this community, of this church, that you would even reduce your lifestyle so that we could hire and employ great gospel workers? Not that we would delegate the work to them. We're not paying them to do our job. We are um, setting aside money so we could set aside workers to equip us to do the work of the ministry. Those good works that God has put in front of us in advance so we would walk in them, we would be able to better, um, be more fruitful in our walk. That's what we're talking about today. So some questions in light of this. How available are you for your brothers and sisters? I heard a statistic, uh, the average Australian um, spends about 110% of their weekly income over a, over a year. So getting into debt, more and more debt gradually. The average, not you guys, obviously. The average Aussie. <clears throat> I'll put it to you, we spend actually our time like that as well. We don't spend 110% of our time, obviously. Uh, but we have no margin in our time for people in need, generally. Again, not you guys, but the general person in Australia. We need to be strategic in how we spend our time and how we spend our money. We actually intentionally bank in margin into our time and into our finances to be able to be generous to those in need in the church. We give to the church, us, and we'd also put money aside for those gospel workers who are helping us in fruitfulness and in discipleship. Are you neglecting to provide for those who labour for the gospel? Are you pursuing a lifestyle that maxes its demand on your resources? Or perhaps you are the one in need. Are you in need and so struggling, but then add to your struggle, this might sound harsh, a sinful attitude of pride where you wouldn't let your need be known, both in terms of I need someone's time to come and and sit with me or pray with me or pray for me or just know me, but then also in that material or financial realm as well where you have some need that somebody could meet. The need itself is not sinful necessarily. The need's, need's not sinful. The need is maybe a gift to the church so we could live out the gospel. Let's make our needs known. Let's make our burdens known so that our burdens might be borne by somebody else. And we will both and all get the joy of embodying and living out the gospel in our community. Remember, we are the church. We need to be generous and give to the church, us the church. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we, 
Oh man, let's first repent. We repent of those times when we have not been generous. We repent of those times where we have not, um, or where we have hoarded uh, resources or money or time or stuff. We haven't trusted you uh, to meet our needs. We repent of um, our pursuit of comfort and the things that would bring us comfort rather than pursuing community and holiness. Help us to be your church. We are your church. We want to live as your church. Father, give us eyes and ears to see and hear the need around us and give us hearts and minds of generosity and of giving just like you, that we would step into that need, step into that gap and bear that burden. Father, give us, a, and again, a heart and a mind for um, those people who have um, laid down other calls or laid down other um, desires to pursue um, jobs or vocations or businesses or careers because of the call of being a gospel worker, someone who would um, see their fruitfulness in terms of training disciple makers, training worshippers, training teachers. Help us to be generous with these people, gracious with these people. Father, we want to have uh, minds and thinking that's congruent and in line with yours around your church, around our stuff, around generosity. We don't want to do this under compulsion. We don't want to be generous because we're guilted into it. We want to be joyful givers. So help us, Father, in the discipline of giving to take great joy knowing we are about your business. And Father, we ask that you would meet our every need. You are our great provider. We don't put our trust in our own efforts, although we try really hard, uh, although we work really hard as unto the Lord, uh, but we don't put our trust in our work. We put our trust in you. Provide us with our every need, we ask. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.